You're listening to Winged Wisdom. Thank you to the following sponsors. Siren Shotguns, the world's finest line of shotguns and accessories created for the lady competitor, huntress, and shotgun enthusiast. Animal Connections, keep their tails wagging with healthy pet food. Voted coolest pet store in America and located at 933 Second Street Southeast in Charlottesville, Virginia. Woods and Waters Magazine, a monthly magazine that covers fishing, hunting, boating, outdoor gear, kayaking, shooting, bird dogs, and so much more. Central Virginia Sporting Clays, located in Palmyra, Virginia, and offering a 14-station walk-around wobble and five-stand. Old Forge Sporting Clays, located in Providence Forge, Virginia, and offering 16-station walk-around wobble and five-stand. Both clay courses are open year-round and available for your next fundraiser or great event. This is Winged Wisdom. Hi everyone, my name is Kate Onstrom and I'm your host of Winged Wisdom, a podcast that highlights exciting and engaging interviews for anyone and everyone that loves sporting clays and wing shooting. In today's episode, Riley and I are chatting with Michael Botello. Michael is a familiar face to anyone that has ever visited the shotgun area of Green Top Sporting Goods. He shoots competitively up and down the East Coast, even attending the U.S. Open in Georgia this year. And it all started when he was invited to try his hand at shooting at a skeet league one Wednesday evening. He instantly loved shooting moving targets. He was hooked, especially when he moved into hunting waterfowl and upland birds. Accompanied by his beloved GSP and Chesapeake Retriever, Mike loved being able to hunt, guide, and crush clay pigeons. Now, he regularly helps new shooters and instructs them in the sport so they can add consistency to their scorecard and more birds to their back. So listen in today as Riley and I sit down with Michael Botello. If you enjoy what you hear, please share and make sure to follow us on social media under Virginia Shooting Sports. This week's two-minute tip, speed kills. So during a lesson, there's a couple of things that I will probably say about 58 times, basically over and over. One of them is slow down. Everybody gets in such a tizzy, so upset when they see a bird that they think is fast but they're not really paying attention to the speed of the bird at the break point. And most importantly, they're forgetting that one inch is eight feet. What does that mean? Simple geometry. If you move two foot of steel at the end of your nose, about an inch out at 30 yards, that one inch is now almost an eight foot move. That's a huge amount of ground. So when you go flying with blazing barrels across the field, not only do you have no muzzle management, but now you have no clue whether you're ahead, behind, too high, too low. 
were you down at eight o'clock on a softly falling bird to the left or were you more out at nine o'clock? It's so hard to tell. And think about it. Those times that you miss, do you know why you missed? I mean, truly know, oh yeah, I was supposed to be down at eight and I just didn't come down in front of the bird far enough to the left. I was kind of more out at nine o'clock or maybe even up at 10 o'clock. No, most of the time you miss and you're like, why am I missing? Well, if that's the case, you got to slow down so you can see what's going on. So you can control that muzzle, manage that muzzle so that you are able to self-diagnose and correct for your next swing. That was this week's two minute tip. All right, guys. So this is another fabulous episode of Winged Wisdom. Welcome, everybody. Miss Riley Bass, what you been up to? This past weekend, I went to my first MLB game and I saw the Nats play, which is awesome. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I went up to D.C. with a bunch of my friends that live in Nova from JMU. And it was actually the JMU night there. So I got a cool hat. And Did you get it for free then? Yeah. Well, not free, $33, but I got a hat with that. So oh. kind <laughs> Um, she got something for your 33. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was cool because we saw um, Juan Soto, who just got yeah. traded, play in the Nats jersey for the last time. And I know nothing about baseball, so that's the extent so this of knowledge I know. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool, though. Awesome. That is fantastic. Well, yeah. I spent, uh, let's see, what did I do this? Oh, had um, the fun shoot down at Old Forge Sporting yes. Place. How did that go? Oh my Lord. Was it busy? Holy cow. There were 107, I think 107 or 108 registered shooters. And then another like 30 plus 35 plus practice shooters, like in the hunters class or just shooting around to 50. So it was probably the busiest that I have ever seen it. And keep in mind, the weather on Sunday was pretty, uh, yeah. you know, it rained on me in the first, well, it rained on everybody, not just me, but <laughs> to think I didn't have a black cloud over me, but it rained, rained for like the first kind of 30 minutes or so that we started. And then it stopped for the majority of the tournament. And then, That's good. um, yeah, then about two o'clock, one thirty, two o'clock, it started picking back up. I was still able to get in one new student had a lesson scheduled at two. So that's good. Got her squared, squared away from two to four, but unfortunately, yeah, my, my lesson behind that, um, they just went ahead and shut down the course because it was a big blob of yellow and red coming off the, across the radar. So yeah, but I was really excited. I mean, the, the presentations at old forge have gotten just so much more impressive. They're doing a ton of stuff down at that course, adding in um, raised platforms for traps and just a really good solid course. So for those of you listening, if you haven't had a chance, head down towards New Kent Way. Um, Yes, it does mean you have to travel 64 and this time of year with beach traffic. Yeah. So go early in the morning. Yeah, it'll be cooler <laughs> that way. Anyways. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of tournament shooting, Riley, yes. I am so excited for our guest today. Tell everybody who we have on. In today's episode of Winged Wisdom, we have Mr. Michael Vitello, a competitive shotgun shooter and a friendly face at Green Top Sporting Goods located in Ashland, Virginia. 
With firsthand knowledge of the large sporting clay competitions, specifically the U.S. Open in Georgia, he is a wealth of knowledge to the Richmond area, and we are so excited to have him share his stories in today's episode. All right, Michael Patella, welcome on Winged Wisdom. How are you, sir? I'm well. How are you all? Doing fantastic. So that's quite an intro that Riley gave you. I love that. Yeah, I have to live up to that now. Good grief. (laughs) I know, I know. Well, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know you um, from Green Top, but not all of them may know that you are a competitive clay shooter and you also do some instructional work on on the side, Um, kind of your side hustle there when you're not at Green Top slinging shotgun. So how how did you get started um, in your venture into clay shooting? Um, I got invited to uh, participate in a Wednesday night skeet league. Uh, You shot, you got to warm up uh, for a box or two, and then you shot two boxes for score. So 50 targets um, around a skeet is 25 shots. Um, And then guns got put away. Um, the, the grills got brought out and the storytelling started. And oh. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of, I was going to say, what kind of skeet league is this? <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was a group of guys who belonged to a club and I was invited as a guest. Um, uh-huh. and then I realized that, you know, I really wanted to do this more, um, than what I was using my shotguns for, uh, previous to that. So, uh, got an application, joined, and just, you know, um, like everything in life, I just go head first and buy everything. And then I sit there and look at it and go, well, I don't need that. And I don't need that, but I've already got it. So I just, yeah. So that's how it well, all started for me with the clays. Now you mentioned, um, you weren't using your shotguns to their fullest potential. What, what were you doing? Kind of give everybody an idea of your background in shooting in general, be it hunting or shooting sports. So, um, my first shotgun was an 870 pump, uh, which I think everybody at least had in their hands at least once in their life, if they're a hunter. Um, but I just, I was, I was a deer hunter. Um, and every now and then we would try to shoot, uh, do some dove hunting, um, you know, in the local club and whatever. But, um, my other life, uh, I used to do, uh, trauma cat scans at a trauma center outside of DC. I did that for over 20 years, um, and in the radiology, in the radiology field. And, um, with the hunting stuff I had, uh, used to get like guns and ammo, uh, magazines or Peterson's hunting. And there would be an ad, a, a full page picture on the back of two guys in a field somewhere in South Dakota, uh, with a dog in front of them and had their bread of shotguns and all that. And I said, that's going to be me and I'm going to do that. So, uh, you know, got a bread of shotgun that I wanted oh, wow. and, um, and started taking guided trips. And then I had some friends, uh, in the hospital who, um, found out, you know, that's what I was getting into and they were already doing it. So they kind of took me under their wing and, um, no pun intended, and uh, we went, uh, we went to Maine. Uh, we went to Wisconsin. You know, we went to South Dakota. Um, Holy you know, we, cow! We went, you know, up into Pennsylvania, and and you just chasing birds, and uh, and I loved it. And then the more I did it, the more I just started getting into wanting to have a dog um, of my own. And then that kind of transitioned into getting invited to shoot some clay targets. And then it's not a year-round season. 
Uh, so I had to figure out a way to keep shooting and clays married up perfect with that. And so, uh, the guns that I would bring were the little lightweight guns that I would, you know, hunt with because the hunting guns were, you walk them a lot and you shoot them less and a target gun, you shoot a lot and you walk less. So, um, that's that understanding of what a target gun was versus a hunting gun was educational to me. And everybody wants you to shoot their gun, you know, Hey, that's a nice gun. Well, here, shoot it. You know, cause they're, you know, it's pride and ownership. People want you to right. enjoy that. So you start learning about guns. And again, the, the, uh, bullheadedness just dive right in. You know, I'd had to buy the most expensive gun I could afford at the time. And it just kept getting more expensive and, and the guns kept getting more <laughs> elaborate and just all kinds of things. And, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of how it all started. That's awesome. What type of guns do you shoot now? What is your competition gun now? And gun, how has it progressed since you've started? Uh, so the first, the first gun um, was a Beretta um, 687. It's called a double E double L, which is basically a fancy way of saying it has some nice engraving on the side plates of it. Um, and um, anybody who knows me, I'm all about trying to be put together and look right. Uh, and so I figured if I miss something, at least I look good. So they said, oh, that guy's just having a bad day. But, you know, he must know what he's doing because look at this nice stuff. Um, but anyways, uh, that was more of a hunting gun versus a, because a, I would take that to South Dakota and shoot pheasants. Um, and so I progressed along and then um, eventually landed on uh, what I shoot now, which is a Parazzi MX-12. Uh, it's a wow. 34 barreled over and under. Um, but I've owned a couple of Craigoffs, uh, I've owned, uh, Kohler's and all this means anybody listening, it's just, they're guns that are surgical instruments to do one thing and that shoot hundreds of thousands of clays and not break down on you. Uh, right. they're, they're balanced appropriately. Um, they are, um, the triggers are, are, are amazing. Um, and you know, that, that's what you pay for. You pay for balance, reliability, and, and a nice trigger. And there's, there's a, there's a shoe that fits everybody well. Um, and, um, you know, I've got a stock that fits me and, you know, you gotta, it's a learning curve, you know, um, you, I've lost, you know, up to 50 pounds and I put 50 pounds back on. So the gun doesn't always fit right. And so you need to make adjustments and do things. So you just kind of learn as you go along and, and, and get it. But I think I'm pretty settled, uh, now pretty happy with what I have. So I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Especially shooting a Parazzi. I mean, you really can't go wrong there it's no. a nice well, you know gun. it's funny it's I, I have this conversation with people all the time and um working at green top they'll come in and they'll they'll look at a gun and say i want to get into uh shooting and you know the first question is you know well, what are you going to do with it and whatever comes out of the mouth first is going to be where i'm going to drift the conversation to so if they say well i just bought a britney spaniel and uh it's getting trained and we're going to hunt at preserves and maybe travel a little bit then immediately I'm thinking the gun's going to be a little lighter, a little more dynamic. Um, if the conversation starts with, I joined a ski club or I want to start shooting clays and, you know, I want an over and under, then the conversation drifts in another direction. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the Caesar Garinis, um, the Browning 725s and things like that, they'll all break the same clays that I shoot at. Um, but I look at guns like, um, tennis rackets um and uh golf clubs there is a certain weight and length and feel that is specific to that person and they are trying to you know 
marry that up with what works for them. And that's how I kind of evolved to the gun that I have. And I tell people all the time, I wish I had stopped evolving at some point because it would have been a whole lot cheaper uh, <laughs> than what I'm doing now. Because, you know, I, I can, when I help some people, some new shooters, you know, get into the fold, um, you know, and they have their gun and something's not right. And I've tried to help them a little bit. And I'll say, well, let me shoot it because I want to see what the target looks like off the gun to me because maybe the gun's shooting a little high um, or something like that. And it is completely different from what I shoot, but the target still breaks. And I sit there and I think, man, I wish I hadn't known about these other guns because I could have used this. But anyways, it is what it is. Um, you know, you know, once you shoot something that you enjoy, it's hard to do anything different. So that's kind of kind of where I'm at. So that that is really just such a crucial um, piece of background for you to be able to really I mean, Green Top is well known for its fabulous assortment and selection in all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors. Um, I have to say that when I have a, a student that's looking at a gun and they're not quite sure what they want, and you know, I'm always gonna, you know, lean, lean sirens use a granny fab arm, but I also want them to get the best gun for them. That's how come I always tell them if you can go and make sure you go like on a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, because I know he'll be there. Ask <laughs> yeah. for Michael and he will get you squared away. And every time somebody goes, they see you, they get a gun they love, they come back to me and they're like, God, he was so phenomenal. He took his time. He had me try a couple of different guns. He was so extremely knowledgeable. So, I mean, that passion that you have definitely comes through and I mean I love it because I know that I've got you know I've got Andrew as well and there's a couple other guys but um it's just so evident when you're working with with my students and I'm sure other clients as well that you are truly there to help them get into the best gun for them and their particular activity that they're going to get into so how how did you land at green top how did that all evolve you just like where they've got a lot of guns and i want to play with all these or well it's funny i um so again my um my big grown-up job was working in the medical field and i did that you know in radiology for for 20 years and um you know, I got, I got burnt out on it. And, um, yeah. so, um, you know, had some opportunities to, to stay in it, do some other things, but ended up, you know, just saying, you know, just looking back at what I wanted to do, what makes me happy and, um, and what can I afford to do and, and not do. So, um, I enjoyed the outdoors. I wanted to start going, you know, in that direction. Um, uh, but, um, I ended up, let's see, when I got out of that, uh, I kind of piddled around, uh, helped some friends and some of their jobs and some outdoor work. Uh, that was kind of interesting. And, uh, then I had my, uh, Chesapeake at the time. So I was helping people, uh, when you have a dog, you always get an invite to go on a hunt. So, uh, oh, absolutely. so you were doing some started, guiding. Yeah. Doing some guiding with that and, um, enjoyed that. And, um, and then also had a German short hair at the time. So I was getting uh, some calls to help out at some preserves, which was good exercise for the dog. Um, and um, so, you know, that was that was interesting. Uh, so I did that. And then um, I started working at a facility in Northern Virginia. 
and uh, started out just kind of doing some basic stuff and um, around the clay targets and stuff. I had knowledge of skeet and trap and sporting clays. So that worked out pretty good. Uh, I guess my work ethic was good enough that they asked me to come on um, as like an assistant manager to them. And uh, oh, wow. then it kind of kind of blossomed out from there. Uh, I um, I ended up uh, going to uh, get a certification to be uh, an instructor. Uh, started taking corporate groups out. Started you know doing that. Uh, went up north to a target setting school. Um, got that knocked out and started setting targets for them. And that's really people ask me a lot what would be the ultimate job for me, and it would be running a mid sized uh club that was open to the public um you know that i could set targets and do things and if there were if the if there was a preserve on that property that would be fine too uh but i would love to just do that because when i'm around it i enjoy it i get a lot of um uh there's a few local clubs now that that ask me to help them with targets and i'm happy to do it and i look forward to doing it. i circle it on my calendar and that's what i do that's absolutely but, awesome. So you you just kind of jumped in full on. Yeah, but but and I and I kind of I guess I missed a part about how to end up a green top. But, oh yeah, yeah, by the way. Yeah, so, yeah that'll <laughs> that that question. Um, but um, I um, I uh, I've you know shopped down there for forever, and I know the guys well. And uh, we went out to lunch, and we started talking, and I just said, look, you know, I'd like to work you know, a few days a week, uh, and have some open days to pursue these other things that I just did this giant diatribe on. Um, and, uh, they're very accommodating. They're, they're good guys. I mean, they're like, they're like cousins to me, you know, like family and, um, you know, it works out well and it just gets better, you know, uh, you know, working with Andrew and just a good person all around. Um, I'm happy there. So, uh, I'm don't know how long I'll be there, but I, I don't, you know, see myself, leaving there um but so but you know i never never thought i would leave the hospital never thought i would go to this never thought i would enjoy that so you know the the, the table's open you know for new and interesting things and yeah that's fantastic so what is it um i mean besides the fact that you get to be able to chat with people every day day in and day out about their new found love or their ongoing addiction with hunting or play sports um anything in particular stand out about working at green top i mean to me it just seems like such a fabulous you know adult playground <laughs> you know yeah, it's, we- it's, it's it's um i'd say i would say that um green top is divided into i, I would divide it into thirds um okay and, and I would say that uh, there's a third of the customers that come in there that have hunted their whole life um, or been around clay targets. They understand guns. They come there for the gun store part of it or the hunting part of it, and they just walk by everything else that's at the front door, which is the, the peanuts and the candies and the shoes and socks. And, you know, they just, they right. go, they just go to those parts of what Green Top was to them when it was on Route 1. Um, then there's a part, uh, there's like a third of people who, who, who don't know, you know, they're, 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 they're completely green. Uh, they've been invited to do something 
or they've had a taste of it or they think they want to try it. Um, and they're kind of, you know, in that, in that category. Um, and then the other third is the people I call who don't know what they, what, what or where they want to be. Uh, meaning they may have done it a long time ago. Uh, then they got married, had kids, gave up hunting, gave up shooting. Now they want to get back into it. Um, or they, um, have never done it, but they've been invited on it or they do it on a small scale and they're not sure where they want to take it or go to. So I have some really good conversations with people, um, about, you know, what is one of the very first questions I ask somebody is what is the goal? And, and just, and I read people well, um, and I think about, you know, where, where I need to take the conversation because I do not get commission at green top. I get paid for people to have a good experience and make a good decision. And so, awesome. you know, that's, that's my goal is that they do that. So, and they get that. That's really cool. Um, yeah. Outside of working at the amazing green top, I actually <laughs> brought my roommate there the other day and it was her first time in and it was. Was she just overwhelmed? It, yes, it was. She's from um, the Eastern shore. So she had never really seen something like that. And it was an experience to say the least. It was awesome for me to see her in there. But outside of working at Green Top, you compete a lot. Um, when did you start competing and who was instrumental in that development? Well, um, according to the NSCA, which is the National Sporting Clays Association, which kind of governs tournaments um, and things like that, uh, they have me listed that I started shooting registered targets in 2007. Um, but the NSCA is also in the same building under the same roof as the NSSA. And that is not the national security, whatever that is the national <laughs> teaching association. So my first registered target <coughs> would have been in 2007, uh, at a skeet tournament, um, and started shooting that, um, and, you know, kind of understanding, you know, what it was to compete. Um, and sought out some professional instruction from a guy named Todd Bender, a multi-time world yeah. champion. Um, and I was married at the time. Um, uh, she couldn't grasp skeet as well as she could grasp trap. And uh, she basically said to me, if I want to spend time with you, I better learn how to shoot because that's all you're doing. So get me a gun. So we got her a gun, <laughs> we got her another gun. And so she had a skeet gun and a trap gun and my wife and I went out and we shot skeet and trap. And for a while there, every other weekend, we were at one of the two, we were at a trap shoot or a skeet shoot. And, That's awesome. it, and it was interesting because I tell people even to this day, and I've, and I've matured a lot as a shooter um, in the game is that in the beginning for the first, maybe four year, four or five years, I was a shooter at a competition not a competitor at a competition. And what I mean by that is that- That's interesting. You know, there's a lot of folks who, who want to put their foot in the pool and they want to do something. And so they buy the gun and they get the shells and the glasses and they go and they, they sign up and then they sign up for what you had mentioned before, like a hunter class. Um, and then they go, man, I want to be part of that group, you know? Uh, so let me join the NSCA. So then they join the NSCA. They really still haven't become a competitor yet. They're just a shooter. They're showing up and they're just shooting. Um, gotcha. And that's how I see that where, um, you know, you can watch their body language. You can watch how they approach things. I mean, if somebody steps in a cage and it's four pairs 
and they step out after the second or third pair, they're not competing. They're shooting because they don't know where they're at in the sequence of targets, um, you know, or they didn't pay attention to the show pairs. So they're looking in the wrong direction when they call for yeah. the bird. But but we all have to start somewhere. And I was that person, too. So I get it that I was shooting thinking I was competing, but I was really just kind of shooting in a competition. And at some point when you start to be more consistent and you start to win some, you start realizing what it takes to compete and how it gets your your mind ready to go. And 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 in my case, um, you know, my goal every time I go to a tournament is to break every target. If I'm not shooting at it to break it, then what am I doing? So I that is my goal. Now, when the dust settles, the score is going to be what it's going to be. I can't get wrapped up in a number. Um, and then I look at where did I finish in my class? Did I finish in the class average of how many targets are broken in that class? Um, and was I above that? And then on the ride home, we've all shot a hundred by the time we get home. Cause we've convinced ourselves through all the stoplights and the miles, man, I should have done that, man. I could have oh, done, yeah. done that. And you yeah. just think about it. So you take those lessons and you, and you try to work on that. So the next time you're in that position in the tournament, you, um, you hopefully come out on top and break more than you miss. And that's when you were really competing. Um, yeah. That's, that's a really, really good way to put it. I like the analogy that, you know, most of the time you're just shooting and it is, you, you can see, you know, when I'm field judging, I know the guys that when they step in the box, they're competing. Those registered targets, they mean the weight of the world to them shooting and hitting and and putting that excellent scorecard for a registered target versus the guy or the girl that gets in the box and shoots and it's oh awesome i got five out of six that's really sweet um you know and you're right it's, it's all body language you can tell what they're doing there's just a there is a difference um, yeah and i would say i would say that probably one of the coolest things that really took the monkey off my back and what i mean by that is when, when you shoot the game of skeet or trap, okay, um, you shoot a registered skeet shoot. It is a high house and a low house on a registered skeet field um, or in trap, you have five posts with the trap house out in front of you there with the front edge of the trap house at 16 yards from the post. The, right. the, point, the point of all this is that no matter where I shoot that game, those two games, they are identical whether I shoot them in Virginia, yes. Texas, Canada, Europe, you know, Dubai, it does not matter. It is all the background changes, but the fields are laid out the same and the targets follow, even though trap, you know, you don't know which direction it's going. Um, however, you know, the angle and you know, the distance it's leaving the house and to right. break the target, uh, you have to know angle distance and speed. And so my point is, is that in trap and ski, you know, excellence, you know, is what is expected, you know, and, you know, or perfection, I should say, perfection is what is expected, but excellence is tolerated in sporting clays. And the reason is, is that there's not a whole lot of hundreds shot in sporting clays because those angles, distance, and speeds change so much where in skeet, you drop one, you're probably not going to win because there's somebody there who's going to shoot a hundred on that yeah. particular day does not matter. Um, so it's okay if you're going to shoot because we'll have to start somewhere, but at some point you have to 
decide, do I want to shoot or want to be a competitor? And the coolest thing that was said to me was when I started shooting sport and clays and I wasn't used to the, um, the you know, the, the vast variety of targets because um, I was used to everything crossing over to center stake uh, in skeet is that they said, you know, once you realize that we all shoot this game for different reasons, personal to ourselves, you'll be much happier. And I thought about that well, and I really, and I really, truly embrace that and i try to tell everybody i can that don't worry about the guy who's got this gun uh, a gun like mine or or anything else or these glasses or this polaris or this whatever or this push cart they're out there for reasons unique to them and you should wish them well as a fellow shooter and competitor and shoot your best and it'll be what it'll be and if they beat you you should be the first one to shake their hand and congratulate them and if you beat them you do not need to say anything other than thank you, you know, and just keep moving on. And um, I think that just makes it a lot easier. But but look, there's some people who are just personalities are pretty uptight. They get mad at themselves or they get mad at everything but themselves. And, uh, yeah. you know, you know, competitors, competitors block all that out. You know, they don't worry about anything going around them except, you know, what's about to happen. If you watch any sort of professional sport, you see them go into a zone of some before they're about to do something great, whether that's serve a tennis ball, hit one, you know, or, you know, out of the ballpark, whatever it is, you, you could tell they have no idea what's going on around them other than what's in front of them. And, and if that's you can, true. if you can do that, you will be so much more successful in shooting. Do you prefer skeet trap or sporting clays and which of those is easiest to get into that zone you're talking about with? So if, if you're starting out shooting, you should try to shoot. If you have the access to it, uh, skeet or trap, because it teaches you uh, lead and it teaches you angles um, and it's consistent. You can repeat the target and you can go back to that same skeet field every day for the rest of your life and the target's always going to be the same. So you can learn that target. Um, you can find similar targets on a sporting clay field. Uh, you know, an instructor can go around and, and find targets that suit your abilities, whether it's your very first lesson or you've been shooting for a while. Um, but I enjoy, um, actually, I enjoy the game of fee task. Um, and, oh, there you go. And another game called American field sporting, which is about, yep maybe two years old. Um, sporting clays is, is interesting to me because I set targets. So I'm also interested in what other people think is a good target. Um, and when I was taught how to do it, I was told a sporting clays tournament is a test and every, every target is a question and your job is to get the right answer. And so, you know, as a target setter, you have to, you have to justify every target. I want to make, I want to see if they can shoot the basic shots. I want to see if they can make a good shot plan. I want to blah, 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 blah. So you do, so you do all that, but I enjoy the fee task in the, in the American field sporting because you start the game with a low gun. So it's more reminiscent to that hunting sort of thing. So I'm kind of like having, yeah, which is where you started. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm making a move to a target. That is something that is more natural to me. Um, than a pre-mounted uh, gun mount. Uh, pre-mounted gun mounts have their place 100% uh, in specific birds. And in fee task, 
you certainly wish you could pre-mount on some birds, but you can't. <laughs> so it, so it, so it adds another level. You wish to you it. could just get a show bird. <laughs> yes, but it's it's interesting. So I really enjoy that. The targets are more variety. Um, it's more open space. Um, so I really I really enjoy that. I enjoy the game of five stand too. But uh, I would skeet and trap are good tools to teach on, and it's also good for me to go back and shoot once in a while. Um, you know, if I've come off the rails a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, it, it all, anytime you're shooting clay target, it's a good time. Doesn't matter what the game is. Absolutely. Well, has there, speaking of competition, has there been any particular competition that kind of stood out from the rest, be it good, bad, or anything? And, and why was that one particular competition such a standout for you? Um, the first registered skeet tournament I ever shot in um the, the goal is to break 100 birds but you can't break 100 till you break the first 25 and then you break the next 25 and so you do that four That's times a good way to put it yeah right so i i go to this first ski tournament and um the i think it was the second box it was either the second or third box it's been so long um i broke all the birds and i'm you know, I'm like ecstatic. I'm like all, all excited. And they said, you know, I wish you wore a hat because we would shoot it. And I said, what? I said, you guys shoot hats. Oh, you didn't and have your hat, hats. man. Did not, did not have it for my first 25 in, in skeet. Well, then, so I'm all oh. excited. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm going to win this thing, you know? Well, then I realized how the game really oh, worked. No. And I'm like, okay. So, but, but, you know, one of the things that, uh, that drives humans is um, the possibility of success. And so if you have success, meaning you shoot a perfect round, you, in the back of your head, you're thinking it's possible. So that drives you to try to do it again. Um, so that would be an important part for me because if I had, if I had broke 10 targets out of 25, four times in a row, I don't know a hundred percent if I would have been so invested in the game. I don't know if that, if that time I would have said, I'm going to get better, or if I just would have said, "Man, it's not for me." Um, but the right. fact that I did it, I said, "Well, I did it. And I don't even know what I'm doing. So maybe this is for me." You know, and so <laughs> I started, I started going in that direction and thinking that was, uh, that was right. And a lot of money later, I'm still trying to figure it out. Some days, and, um, <laughs> but it's, it's like I said, it's interesting. I would say, um, you know, one of the things I tell people, um, whether it's shooting birds or clays or just in life um things that give you trouble you should dive headfirst into until they don't give you trouble anymore so if you're if you're having trouble with rabbits or you're having trouble with you know trap birds or whatever um you should be shooting those until you don't you, until you're not upset with them anymore um and so uh i would say another tournament was um uh, i was fortunate enough to to win the whole thing at central Virginia. And that was a place that I did not like to shoot because I had trouble with the birds and the terrain. So holding to my own words, I just started shooting there more and more and more until I became comfortable and, 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 and luck was in my favor, uh, that day. And I was prepared and, and won. So I was like, that's great. So that was one that stood out. And I would say probably the, the other one that stood out to me, um, without question, um, was the first, big turn the first tournament I went to after losing my dad last year um oh, and yeah that was 
my family kept telling me, you need to go, you need to go, you're going to go crazy, you need to go, just go. And I felt guilty because, you know, I lost my dad. That was my cheerleader, my, you know, my, my, I mean, he was the guy that was always calling, you know, telling my mother, call Michael, see where he's at. You know, I'm in a hotel somewhere at a tournament or just, you know, how did he do? And, and he may not have understood the scope of everything, but he knew his son was happy and he knew I was doing my thing. So, you know, for me to get away and just focus on the tournament and just kind of shut down my injury and engines and recharge my batteries, um, you know, after that devastating thing that happened, you know, a few months before, um, was, you know, a tournament for my dad would have been proud. Um, it was arguably the best shooting I had ever done. I came out on was top. It really? Yes. I came out on top in the main event fee task in my class and, um, also in a super sporting and that pushed me up into, uh, what was, um, you know, now master class you know i kind of floated around in double a class for for a long time and um yeah so that was great so that was good uh and uh it was also bad because now the two weeks later i was going to the northeast regional so i'm shooting in the highest class (laughs) oh bummer so yeah but um anyways yeah so that was memorable so the northeast regional that was at m&m that year yes Mm mm-hmm Yep. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's for those listeners that, that know him or know of him, Anthony Matarese, who is, I can't even keep track of all of the world championships and national. He just won. He just won the North central regional, uh, this past week. I'm not surprised. Shout out, shout out, shout I, saw, shout I saw his post on Facebook. Yeah. 195 out of 200. He missed five Holy targets yeah. over, the, over the weekend. I mean, that's just insane. Now you actually, you know, um, Mr. Matteris on a a little bit more personal level. Yeah. uh, Anthony and I, um, we get along, you know, um, we give, I mean, I give him a lot of space because I mean, he's just, he's running. I mean, he's a dad with girls and a business and doing his thing. But, you know, if I've ever reached out to him in a text message or an email, I mean, he has responded to me. I mean, he is, and you think about all the people that he knows in the country, in the world, you know, I, I'm appreciative of that. Um, but uh, when I had a few lessons with him, um, you know, we just got along. And I've always told people, you know, I wish the guy was my neighbor because he's just such a good down to earth dude. And yeah. um, you enjoy talking to him. And um, he helped me um, learn some things about myself and my shooting that I did not understand. And then once I had an understanding of it, I could start working on it and, um, and, and moving in a better direction. So he, uh, himself and some local guys, um, uh, the people know him as the Collins boys, uh, the dad and son duo and the DD is a, as a monster of a shot. Um, you know, I used to shoot on their farm and they kind of groomed me, you know, to get me that kind of really got me sparked into really, really competing. Cause I see the level you know, that, that, uh, that David competes at. Um, and, um, and then working with Anthony really helped me, uh, tremendously. So, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Cause Anthony Matarese is just, I mean, he's just one of those people that walks into a room and if, if you're in the industry or in the sport, any teeny tiny bit, and he walks in, you're just kind of like, Oh, wow. Yeah. That's I tell you, Anthony he is Matarese. He is, but you know, and what's cool about him is he's, he's, he's so down earth and so humble. 
Um, and he just kind of, he's appreciative of all the, of his blessings. Um, it's just really cool. And that's why I enjoy being around him. You know, I've been around some folks who shoot at a very, very high level who are the opposite of that. And then most everybody yeah, falls somewhere in between. Um, but he is just, just a super cool cat. Uh, always enjoy his watching his success and, um, and, and, and chatting with him when I do, I'm going to, I'm going to run into him, um, uh, in this fall, I'm going to go up to one of his shoots cause I didn't attend any last year, uh, up there. So I like to patronize his family business and shoot at Eminem and, and be challenged. And I know I will. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's a phenomenal facility for everybody listening. Eminem preserve in, in New Jersey. It's, um, phenomenal clays and also has the preserve to it so you can you know yep. go up stay for a couple of days um and they've got lodging on site there too don't they they do and i've stayed in in there before it's super nice it's super convenient um you know uh i just can't say enough about it i mean if you live on the east coast and especially live in this area it is not a bad drive at all to get up there and no. just kind of be like in awe of uh of what you can do there i mean you can go you can go and shoot a novice sporting clay course and and be happy if that's your level um you can go and shoot an advanced sporting clay course and be like wow i need to work on that uh you know <laughs> and, uh, and 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 you can be somewhere in between the two um and right. you can you know that they will if you tell them what you want uh they're one of the hardest you know, working families in the business, they will make it happen. If you need to say, I want to come up and, and shoot a little bit. And the next morning I want to go shoot some ducks or I want to go shoot some pheasants in the afternoon. And I want to have lunch in between. They'll do that. They will, they will cater to so you perfect. and figure it out. So yeah, they're, they're good people. That's awesome. So you've shot with the, the top dogs of this community and now you are one of the top dogs Whoa. of this community. <laughs> what is it like to compete on the national stage like the U.S. Open? So, you know, they, um, let's see, it's, it's a rush to, to it, it, the scale of everything is just anything you see locally is magnified 50 times, um, you know, uh, you know, there's rows of like um, vendors and food trucks. And I mean, everything is just to watch that go down. I mean, um, I think Kate said there were 107 people at the shoot, you know, pretty you know, oh, substantial amount. Sunday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's 1,400 at the US wow. Open. Um, but you That's felt like <laughs> you felt you felt like there was a few hundred people there. You never felt like you, you were like, oh, my God, I'm overwhelmed by this 1,400 people, um, you know, because it's run so well and there's so much going on. You're just kind of all, you know, all over the place, uh, just like take trying to take it all in, but trying not to get away from your game because you're just right. kind of in awe of everything. Um, but, um, yeah, when, when you go to something like that, um, you have to you have to address I wouldn't say focus on it because then you're probably not going to shoot well. You have to address uh, what is really going on there. And what's going on is, is people are flying in from all over the country. And some of these people are, 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 are paid to be there. Uh, you know, they, they are sponsored by a gun company. They are prodigies coming up. They are given their ammo. Someone's helping with their entry fees. I mean, they, and they are it, um, you know, and then 
there's groups of people that you've never heard of before coming from everywhere. And then there's you. So you, what you do, what you do is, what you do is you, you sit there and you go, okay, my goal is to break every bird in front of me or, or why wouldn't I be here? So you, so you, you give it your best shot. And then when it, when it settles, what I normally do is I go through and uh, by nature, I'm an overthinker. Um, and I go through and I average out what the average score is in master class. And I get that number. And then I look at my score and I tell myself, hey, if I shoot in the top 50% at a major shoot, Michael's shooting well. And I'm happy yeah. with that. If I'm under that 50%, I don't get upset. And I, and I look at my expectations. How much did I practice? Was I really ready? Did I sleep well? Did I eat right? Did I do all these? Was I overwhelmed by buying 10 shirts that said US Open on it and wasn't really paying attention to beating up, having to shoot in 30 minutes? Um, you know, you just, you, you do that. And, um, and that's what it's all about because what I will say is that, um, you know, getting back to you, we all do this for different reasons. I tell people that there's going to come a day when we can't do this game, whether it's financial health or a combination of the two, we just can't do it. And that's going to be a sad day when we have to tell ourselves we can't do what we enjoy doing right now. So I go to these tournaments you know, feeling the ground under my feet, seeing new friends, seeing old friends, you know, uh, uh, making new, you know, uh, acquaintances, doing all that and giving everything that I can, you know, and, uh, and, and I enjoy it. And that's why I do it. That's awesome. But I mean, I love the way that you break it down. And, you know, this is something that I tell my students is you, you might be out there at a tournament and you're squatted up with, you know, three other people or what have you, but you're not in a competition with that person beside you. You're in a competition with the trap setter. And honestly, that's what it boils down to because you're trying to figure out what has this trap setter done and have I prepared myself to be able to deal with that presentation in front of me. So I love how you are so pro- pro me basically and that you are the captain of your own destiny and well, well, you have worry to about the person beside you yeah and i think that um i think that what, what what one thing people forget um and this may go off the rails a little bit but hey <laughs> you know me yeah i'm, I'm gonna yep. i'm gonna speak what i have to say um you know is that you know uh we are we live in a society where in the palm of our hand, I can tell you what the weather is in Japan right now. I could tell you, you know, where something is somewhere else in the world, just in the palm of my hand. And I can get, I can tell you where my package is from Amazon at any minute in its process. And I think people are wired to the now and the want and they, and they want to get there. And, and what, what kills people in shooting is they don't work the process because they're so worried about the end result. And yeah. uh, so when they get on a squad, um, that is, you know, the exact device I tell people as well, you're there to compete against the trap setter. That's it. Nothing else yep. matters. What, what does he put in he or she put in front of you that you need to solve? What is, what is the answer to these questions that are being thrown at you figuratively and literally? Um, yep. so, so, so you do that, but, uh, you know, sometimes people drift into competing with themselves because we live in a society that has certain expectations of people, or at least to make you think that way. This is where I get off the rails. 
So what you have to do is say, if I go to a tournament, that's my opportunity to get away from the day-to-day grind. And that's my opportunity to get away from not worried about anything else other than what's in front of me. And that's the target. And that's it. And if you can, if you can harness that, do that, you're so much better. Because if you worry about, I think people put too much pressure on themselves personally because they want to be part of the group. They, if people are shooting well in the group and they're not, they're probably missing birds that they could hit because they put so much pressure on themselves to try to hit it. Um, yeah, they're, and, they're worried and, about what people think about them. Yes, and you, can, and you can see it where when you guide people and you take people out to bird hunt, their first shot in their mind is the shot and they miss it. And all of a sudden they rack off this split second shot and just hammer that bird. And, and they do it without, with, it looks effortless. Wow, bam. And they don't know how they got there. And I always tell people, you probably got in your own way because when you saw that bird get up, a million things raised to your head. You know, here I go, here I go, here I go. Instead of just doing, you know, hands and eyes and, yep. and killing the bird. And so that's, that's another part of competing and just, you know, understanding your abilities, doing the best you can and putting yourself in the best position to be consistent at being consistent. And that's it. That's, and that's so true. So as an instructor, um, you know, you, you do have the chance to get out um, when you're not at Green Top and do some instruction um, with, with clients and students. What are the two biggest issues that you see from your students in shooting plays? And what is your kind of fix for them to help them get through that? So, so I would say that my, my niche is um, helping hunters you know, get more birds in the bag and kind of understand what's going on with the gun. Um, And people who go to uh, fundraisers and charity shoots and man, I went, I had a good time, but some guy on my squad broke 50 out of 75 and I broke 15. I would at least like to break 25. (laughs) I would at least like to break 30. Those are the people. They were winner of the clay conservationist award. (laughs) Correct. Correct. Yes. So I, so those are the people that I, that I, that I, that's my niche. That's who I, that's who I help. Um, and I would say the two biggest things across the board for those people is confidence and eyes. And the reason I say that is that most people don't have a clue that they are right-handed and left-eye dominant or vice versa or central yeah. eye dominant or whatever. So if they're never seeing the same picture twice and their buddies are trying to help them, they're just getting more and more frustrated because when they do break one or two, they go, Oh, that's great. And then it looks right. And then you tell them, did you realize that you were four feet behind the target? Well, no, I was in front of it. No, you're behind it. And that's a huge punch in the gut to somebody when they, and their heart of hearts feel like they were in front of that bird and you're looking over their shoulder and you see the barrel a mile behind the bird. It, 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 you know, you you see this confused look on their face. Well, what do you mean? I'm looking yeah. at it. You're, they're you're they're looking that. at you like there's no yeah. way that. So you, no, yeah, you so, need your eyes, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. So the eyes, so the eyes, and the and the confidence. And what I mean by confidence is is that, um, you know, if you get somebody and you and you show them the bird and you say, okay, do you have a plan? And then they go through, well, what does that mean? And you explain that. And then you say, okay, where do you see the bird? Well, what does that mean? And you explain that. And so you do it. And so, okay, when they pick the gun up and they hold it and they may, they may only hold it for 10 seconds, but to someone helping them, it feels like 10 minutes 
and it's like yeah. they're just not and they're and what it is is just the confidence what i think is the confidence that they're not sure what's about to happen i mean they know they're going to say pull and they know the bird's coming out but they're not sure when they should move they're not really sure where they should be looking they're not really sure when they should be pulling the trigger and they're just not sure so when they pause and take that long time to call for the bird with the gun you know up in their pocket mm-hmm. you know I, to me it's a confidence thing and um you know my goal is to my fixes is to in the in the very beginning figure out what is their strong eye and 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 may or may not have a conversation about that um you know depending on what it is uh the, the second thing is to put them on targets that gives them confidence so they can see that and i've literally when I was uh, working uh, up north, I literally had a guy um, weld uh, these little metal stakes. These, you know, like the, the green fence post that you jam yeah. to the ground, put the wire on. So yeah, T post. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so he would take that T post, cut it in half. He would put a little metal lip on it that would hold a clay target. And I would put three or four, hammer them down on the ground and put them out about 10 to 12 yards away from somebody and i would take that new shooter and all i was working on was getting their gun mount right and once i got their gun mount right and they felt comfortable that they could repeat that gun mount then i would say i want you to shoot at that target and they shoot the target and sometimes you see them shoot over it and it's right there on the ground it's not moving so then you can say look you lifted your head did you see that yes how did i shoot behind the target i was looking right at it because you lifted your head so then it's okay so then they get back and they shoot it and then they break the bird. I'm like, well, wow, wow. The problem with that and the, the pro and the con to that is this. The, the, the pro is I can do this. I can, I can keep my head on the gun and it's going to shoot where I'm looking. That's, that's the pro. The con of it is, is that they want to stick the barrel on every target they see. After they do that, that's, yeah. that's it. So they want to shoot like a rifle. So you have to be careful with that. But in the beginning, if they're shooting targets that require less lead and to me less lead is zero to two feet um uh you know you can get away with that because the pattern will take care of that but again as you start moving along with them they start understanding lead and they understand you know sight pictures and what they're looking at um so yeah so my fix to, to to those things is is understanding what's going on with their eyes having that conversation giving them confidence because that's what most people are lacking. If we didn't, if we had confidence, we would not seek out instruction. We are coming to instruction because we don't have confidence in our ability to rise in the clay sporting world or to kill more ducks in the duck line or shoot more doves at the, the two events that I go to shoot at every year. That's why we're coming for help. I do not have confidence in my ability that I can sort this out. I need some help. So that's what we're there for. And then that's how I see it. That's, that's absolutely so well said. And that, um, and we love those people because they are the ones who are willing to say, I am not able to overcome this issue on my own. I need assistance. And so those people are the ones that are willing to take instruction and willing to learn. And that's what, mm-hmm. that's, what's so great about what we do. I mean, that's why I love getting out and being able to share my knowledge and what I know to do. And, um, you know, the, the, concepts and the methodologies that you're using i mean it just brings through how much you love being able to help people as well i mean it's just 
whether you're putting more birds in the bag or more X's on the scorecard, um, if you can help someone get to that point, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I, you know, I, I keep a lot of things in, personally, I keep a lot of things in perspective when I'm helping somebody, when they, when they make the leap to a, um, I want to compete like you do, Michael, I want to travel, I want to shoot here, I want to go here, I want to do that. It's time for me to push them out of the nest. And the reason for that, for me personally, is that I start questioning things that I'm doing. I start thinking about my game too much. I start really getting into like, oh my goodness. And, and so, but there is such a huge number of people who, who don't know the things that people who have been shooting a long time take for granted. So an example, and I, and I talk to some of my buddies who I shoot tournaments with, and we talk about it. And I say, you know, I had someone tell me when I said, you're over top of it. And they would look at me and they would say, the gun or the targets over top of what? I mean, I mean, that's a <laughs> phrase that if you shoot, you, you know, you could say you shot behind that. What does that mean? You know, I mean, your head's on the gun or not on the gun. Well, yes, it is. You know, and if their head is, if the, if the stock is on the cheekbone and then as they get ready to shoot, they want to peek over the barrel and it's still touching their jaw. And you say, you lifted your head. No, I didn't. Cause I can still feel the gun on my jaw. Well, wait a minute. So we have to go back. So these are things that, yeah. that we, as you shoot for a while, you understand that terminology. There is a, there is a dictionary of terminology that the green shooter, the hunter who just wants to get a little better, the fundraiser or charity shoot guy or girl who wants to get a little better. They have no clue what that is. You could say, this is the target line. You weren't on the line. What, what line? I didn't see the line. I mean, you, just, yeah. you, go, you know, yeah. it's, it's just, it's, it's amazing. You know, where's your hold point? What do you, I mean, I've had someone say to what's me, what's the hold point? <laughs> well, I've had him say to me, I'm holding the gun. What are you talking about? And yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> so, so you have to, yeah. yeah you, you know, we take for granted the longer you shoot that there's a great number of people. And we were those people at one time too, um, that, um, that don't know the terminology. So you just try to help them. Yeah. Since you like helping people in the hunt field specifically, if money was no object, what would your dream bird hunt be personally? Who would you invite? What type of birds would you be shooting the whole nine yards? If money was no object, meaning that someone else is paying for it, then I would invite that person. That would be number one. (laughs) (laughs) Well put. If they were writing the check, they get the first invite. Um, no, I would say, you know, um, uh, to answer that question, right now, my dream hunt would be to stay in a castle and shoot driven birds in England uh, oh, wow. or, or cartridge or something. <laughs> and, and the reason is, is that there's a, there's a, there's several parts of that shoot. There's the meeting in the morning and there's fog mm-hmm. and, and, and the birds are going to be popping out of the fog over this hill with drivers and you're shooting and you're, you're shooting these nice guns and you're, you're dressed a certain way. Um, you're handing the gun to the, to the, you know, loader who's handing you another gun to shoot and you're doing that. Um, that's the 51 year old Michael's dream. If you asked me this 20 years ago, I would say I would take a bird hunt anywhere where I had to walk a lot behind a dog. Uh, because, and, and put that in, you know, if I'm shooting some bird that I don't even know about in Hungary, there's some kind of partridge or quail over there that I've never seen yeah. before in my life in some sort of terrain that 
I've never seen before in my life. That would have been my, my goal 20, 25 years ago, but 51 year old Michael is a lot smarter now. And I'd much rather have the Land Rover drive me to a spot and drop me off and say, here's your water. Here's your shells. Here's somebody's going to load the gun for you. Look up. Comes the first, so. and then and then go back to the castle for and lunch then hang out with in the, the linens and, and the china and, and the crystal and, and, and but we'll eat with my hands you know whatever i mean just to have fun <laughs> where's the so. fried chicken <laughs> yes exactly yeah that would be that would be cool so well as as we wrap up here mike so being at green top and access to all the latest greatest coolest gear coming out are there any fabulous hot new items that all of our listeners should be looking for, whether it's for competition, hunting, a particular firearm, anything super fun we should know about? Um, I would say you have to put the, um, um, the, I guess, the negative press on firearms to the side because that those types of firearms yeah. are not what we're discussing here. Um, however, unfortunately they're all under the same umbrella it's a firearm but yeah. having having said that um i think that because um of the value or devalue of the dollar people are spending their money more wisely and manufacturers know that so they're giving a lot of options at good deals that you, you used to have to pay through the nose for um, so all the companies are doing something special, whether it's uh, camo patterns, um, you know, coatings on guns to protect them from rust. Um, uh, companies like Caesar Guarini from the beginning um, have always put uh, better than average wood on their guns, and they've yeah. given you a little more flair, and they've given you a gun that that is uh, you get a lot of pride and ownership, and it's functional. Um, but at Green Top, I would say that. One of the cool things is you should always come by when you have an opportunity and look through our used guns as well, because you see something that's just yes. cool. You see I something always... that has some history. You know, if you're if you're an upland hunter and you see that side by side 16 gauge, that's beat up a little bit. Yep. It, it's been in the woods. It's, it's it knows what to do. You know, you cut you you go you take that story and continue it with that gun, which is really, really cool. Or you buy a brand new gun and start your own story with your new dog and do whatever. But uh, Caesar is having uh, some great deals right now, um, which is super cool. Uh, Beretta is uh, shipping us a lot of cool guns, some semi-autos with some engraving on the receivers. Uh, oh, Browning, nice. Br Browning has given us um, some uh, what I call framing hammer guns, meaning uh, they're not pretty, but man, they get the job done. Um, and then, you know. <laughs> framing hammer. <laughs> it is. I mean. <laughs> You know, that's, that's what it does. And, uh, you know, you've got, um, you've got Frankie and Benelli and, um, and that's a whole nother, you know, subject people ask me about. Um, I just did a, a, a podcast uh, a week ago um, about ah. that specific subject. Um, you know, what are you getting in a gun? You know, why do I pay this money versus that money? And Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a whole nother subject. But we, that's a whole nother topic for another podcast. Yes, we have a we have we have something for everybody. And I say that, you know, wholeheartedly and back it up hundred percent. We will find you something that works for you. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, Mike, for those people that have been listening, if they're interested in coming out to green top, um, you're there usually what Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, is that right? Yeah, that's usually and, and some Saturdays, um, unless okay. I'm shooting somewhere. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm there. 
Um, Andrew is there in between the days that I'm not there. And sometimes he's there when I'm there and, uh, Perfect. he's just a good, good dude. And, um, yeah, yeah he's excellent say, as hey. well. Yep. Wonderful. Well, so for everybody listening, if you are interested in picking up your own news story or perhaps purchasing and continuing a story with one of the guns from green top, definitely make sure you stop in and see Michael Patello there in the shotgun area. Mike, Riley, and I really want to thank you for being on the show today. It has been absolutely phenomenal. Awesome. So I'm I so glad that. we were finally able. I know I've been fighting to get you on for like a month or two. And we you know, just and finally then I got our to, schedules together. So Right. And then, and then I had to get those wisdom teeth pulled out. That was my fault. So <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say at 51, you're getting wisdom teeth pulled out. I like to hold on to things. I like long relationships. I like to hold on to things. I don't like to let things go. So but I finally had to, so. Man, all right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being on this show. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Winged Wisdom. If you would like to send in audio messages or questions for future episodes, please follow the message button on our homepage or the link in the featured description. Riley and I would like to thank Michael Batello for dropping in today and chatting with us about all things competition clays and all of the cool, great new gear headed in through the doors at Green Top Shooting Goods. Be sure to tune in next week because we are sitting down with a room full, and I mean a room full. We have the Arrowhead Young Guns. It's a new Scholastic Clay Target Program team started September 1st of 2021. Now these kids have only been officially shooting for a year on this team, but they act like they have been shooting for eons and have the skill sets to prove it. Please follow Winged Wisdom each week for shooting tips and tricks and to see what's flying. (laughs) 